on SAFM. Globally, weaknesses in healthcare systems have been exposed by COVID-19 pandemic, including the provision of sexual and reproductive health information and services, which have been severely disrupted. The consequences, of course, will be felt at all levels, families, communities, even countries, especially in the third world. During pandemics, women and girls are among the most severely affected population group with a heightened need for health and protection services. The United Nations Population Fund, therefore, tell us more about this and how countries should mitigate these issues because the COVID virus simply doesn't seem to be going away in a lot of these countries. Program manager for the Together for SRHR program at the United Nations Population Fund, East and Southern Africa, then Mr. Richard DeLate is on the line to tell us more about how COVID-19 has increased fertility, adolescent pregnancy, and maternal deaths in East and Southern Africa. It's all yours, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Good evening, Zongeza, and good evening to your listeners. Increased fertility and adolescent pregnancy and maternal deaths, East and Southern Africa... This is what COVID means in some countries and communities? Well, it's not just in some countries or some communities. It's even in South Africa. I mean, it's right here at home. But, I mean, across East and Southern Africa, what we have observed um, is that because of disruptions to services as a result of of COVID-19, we've actually seen large decreases in the uptake of oral contraceptives and injectables in some countries. Uh, in some countries, we've seen increases in home deliveries instead of facility-based deliveries, which obviously uh, it means that we could see more maternal mortality and child mortality. Uh, we've also seen in some countries, um, especially on the HIV service delivery side, uh, decreases in pregnant women being tested for HIV. We've seen decreases in infants uh, going back for HIV testing that have been exposed to HIV. So that means that we could see an uh, an increase in um, maternal child transmission of HIV. Uh, Gender-based violence has, I mean, we we refer to gender-based violence as the second epidemic because across the region we've seen huge increases in gender-based violence, whether it be in Kenya, South Africa, um, basically in every country we've seen large increases in gender-based violence. And, and in particular, what's been interesting amongst under 15-year-olds, and that's very concerning because what we're seeing at facilities is a lot of young girls under the age of 15 coming in as a result of gender-based violence. So that, that's been obviously something we've been very concerned about. We've also seen quite a substantial decrease in STI treatment um, across the region. So, you know, um, what, we, what we're seeing then is obviously an increase in sexually transmitted infections. We know that sexually transmitted infections in turn are one of the leading cause factors for HIV transmission. So we, we do see some of these disruptions happening. Um, there's also been quite a significant decrease in child health services. So things like um, um, mothers bringing in children around issues around diarrhea, pneumonia, etc. cetera. Uh, we've seen some decreases there. Um, and we've also seen, for example, um, some reports um, in child marriage, um, especially in countries such as the DRC and Malawi. Uh, so across the board, we've seen, um, you know, COVID-19 has, has presented a number of um, significant risks uh, to women and mm. children across mm. the region. 
You know, when I read this, when, when I mean I read the topic out, how COVID-19 has increased fertility, adolescent pregnancy, perhaps there might have been a bit of an ambiguous statement in that. It's not so much at a clinical level, this is what COVID-19 has done. Rather, its presence in society has disrupted those societies in context of reproductive health and behaviors and all of that. I think would that be a better characterization? Yes, I think it would be because I think I mean let's let's first take a step back here. So, you know, because of COVID nineteen, we had obviously we had the the hard lockdowns in a number mm. of countries, mm. and that would have impacted on people's ability to even get to facilities because transport was disrupted. So people simply couldn't get to facilities. We then saw, for example, um, education disrupted. So, you know, things like um, comprehensive sexuality education being disrupted. And this is very important information that young people need um, in order to prevent uh, pregnancy and STIs and other issues. But I think what's been concerning also is is just the really high rate of teenage pregnancy that is being reported in some of the countries across the region. Um, and then, like you said, you know, a lot of these issues are very prevalent in society. But the other issue that we don't talk about is that a lot of people, especially at the beginning phases of the pandemic, were just very scared of going to health facilities. So instead of going to health facilities to get their contraceptives, they chose not to go. Um, and and a lot of uh, women who, who were in hard lockdown situations, who were already in abusive situations, were even in heightened abusive situations because now you're locked up with the perpetrator mm. in the home 24-7. Mm. Um, you know, we, the teen pregnancy issue and the child marriage issue, um, in some countries we're hearing reports that child marriage has increased because families are just destitute, um, you know, so... So they they marry the young girls off. Um, so so that you know these are societal issues that have always been there, but a pandemic like this one just amplifies it ten times more. Let's talk about now how some nations have responded far better and quicker than other nations. And perhaps because we are in South Africa, many of the listeners would be particularly interested in South Africa's response. I think, generally speaking, there does seem to, if my conversations on air on anything to do with government and its response to COVID-19 is anything to go by, the general view that this country has not delivered, if you like, on the results it could have given the resources to her disposal as a nation, including scoring a couple of own goals in the process. Do you have a country profile insofar as it relates to this specifically about South Africa and where particularly South Africa has been disappointing? Well, you know, I mean, look, I think for many countries, um, COVID-19 plays severe strains on the entire health system. So we have to start there. You know, all of a sudden, um, healthcare workers were being diverted away from day-to-day activities in order to care for the increasing number of patients coming in for COVID-19. So, so that, that was always going to happen, and that happened across the region. We saw, you know, uh, human resources being diverted instantly. We saw disruptions in supply chain. Was that owing to government or not? Well, you know, we saw disruptions in air traffic. We saw disruptions in, um, you know, being able to get commodities and supplies in. And then with the hard lockdowns, Again, we saw disruptions in some of the supply chains um, across the region, not just in South Africa. South Africa is interesting because South Africa also um, has quite a strong or 
yeah, well, has quite a strong HIV response network that it could almost instantaneously deploy. And a lot of that network was specifically funded by the um, by PEPFAR and, and the U.S. government, but, but obviously with the support of the South African government. And we also had quite a strong mobile um, health system. And I know that in South Africa, they did use mobile quite a lot during the lockdown in order to reach hard-to-reach populations. Mm-hmm. But obviously there were places, and I think it was well recorded at the time, that there were facilities where people really struggled to get commodities and supplies. We know that there are some services that were more disrupt- disrupted than others, and especially what I would call the more vulnerable services. So so your, your termination of pregnancy services, for example, which are already very vulnerable, mm. uh, would, would be severely disrupted during an epidemic like this. It might not be seen as, as strange as it might sound. It might not be seen as important as other services during a pandemic. So, so you know, we did we we did see some of those disruptions happening, and then obviously, as we know, education in South Africa was disrupted. And and you know, yes. the, the, the difficulty with South Africa is uh, you, you've also got a highly unequal society. So can I just interrupt you on that question yeah, of education? Sure. I don't know what Zakela in Durban wishes to say, but we all um, we have all of two minutes left. So Zakela, please make it snappy in your engagement of Richard Delate. Good evening. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Sir. How are you? I'm well. Go for it, please. Thank you, sir. I just want to touch base. Uh, here, this gentleman is speaking uh, uh, you as well it's about the lockdown and the pregnancy. If um, <coughs> it, 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 it increased the poverty, once you've been in lockdown, contraceptive or not, people didn't go to the control. But if you put the, put the pastime, they had no pastime. That's exactly what happened when you don't do past time because everything has to do what you do. to make children. Sure, and Don't I think... Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that, Richard. I think, I mean, that's a point that the listener is reinforcing that you mentioned earlier on. With the loss of amenities and facilities and the fact that lockdown meant that people were at home, I think it almost became a default more than something that people aspired to. But nonetheless, the effects are equally damaging. And perhaps I want to ask this question finally, and I did disrupt Mm. you on the education question, but what lessons, if any, could we have learned in our situation now to perhaps 20, 30 years ago when we were dealing with the days of HIV and AIDS and the massive rollout of healthcare programs to deal with and in HIV and AIDS? And could any of those programs and sort of institutional memory from governments and NGOs and related spaces be copied and pasted into a response as it relates to COVID-19? Taking, of course, the nuances of the different times and the medical conditions that HIV and COVID are. So I think, look, on the positive side, I think we did benefit from the community health program that HIV had put in place, both in terms of testing and in terms of continuing services during COVID-19. I think on the downside, I would say I'm a bit disappointed with the uh, the quality of the communication programs that have gone out around COVID-19. Mm. Um, you know, not just COVID-19, but also just informing people about the continuity of services. It's been very top-down. It's been very finger-wagging. And as much as what I think the president has done a very, very good job around rallying the nation, 
it's also been built very much around him. And we know those approaches can only work for a certain amount of time. And, and then you have to pivot into other approaches that engage people more. Um, and I think part of the problem that I've seen is that the communication hasn't been that engaging. It's been very much, you should do this, you should do that, very doctor-driven. So I think, you know, that's one area where I think we could have learned a little bit more from HIV. I think during HIV, we had some really innovative communication programs, um, you know, Soul City and others that, that were really trying to use entertainment education approaches towards to, to try and reach people. So, you know, but, but I think on the service delivery side, we were very fortunate that we had those investments in HIV and AIDS that really allowed us to ensure that we could, to some extent, um, both capitalize on that for COVID-19, but also capitalize on that to ensure the continuity of services. Fantastic. Time is our enemy, but thank you so much for your thoughts there, Mr. Richard DeLate, Program Manager for the Together for SRHR Program at the United Nations Population Fund for East and Southern Africa, telling us the impact of COVID-19 has had in particularly the reproductive and sexual health space in Eastern and Southern Africa. 21.46 is the time. That's the end of our show. Thanks to everybody who participated. I'm sorry, I one had to rush the most recent caller and have not had the opportunity to read all of the comments that have come through. Certainly between Lesejo, Phineas and I, we do appreciate the engagement. This tells us, if anything, one thing, our show is growing. We love that. Tomorrow is our second and final date for the week. See you then.